It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM DKSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, uh, joining you here on this Saturday morning. Hope you all are doing well wherever you're tuning in from, having fun, whether you're running errands, uh, taking kids to games, like I will be here shortly. But uh, nonetheless, hope you all are doing well. Hey, Michelle, real quick, uh, I was going to ask you this. I probably should ask you that at the outset of the show. Uh, but you've really uh, done a, a great job with regards to what's going on in the Utah, I guess, sports university, in the University of Utah. Uh, what's kind of been the reaction to You wrote a really uh, good opinion piece on where things stand with the Pac-12 media rights. What was the reaction uh, to all of that that you got? Um, it, it was a little quieter than the first one. Uh, and I, I think understandably so. I think people are just sick of this topic, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Um, and I know you and I have had some, some private conversations and it's, you know, I'm, I'm literally to the point where it's like, look, either (laughs) make an announcement and say that you're staying in the PAC 12 or like, if these defections are really going to happen, then let it happen. But, Uh uh, Again, from from my standpoint, and and I always want to try and make this like very very clear. I I kind of get my information from one perspective, um, yeah. with with a little bit of of kind of you know what others that are maybe a little more connected are, are hearing throughout the Pac-12. Um, but but from this sphere, I just I haven't heard anything that's changed. Um, and so I, I'm in the in a place where I don't think this is going to end as badly as some want to keep saying it will. I, I don't know that it's going to, you know, be as great as some hope for. But I, mm-hmm. I think I think it'll be fine. I think the resolution of all this will be fine. Again, I think this is more about surviving to the next round, and and that goes for the Big Twelve and the ACC as well. If you're not in the SEC yeah. or the Big yeah. Ten. Um, you know, there. I think there's at least in the here and now the way things look, and again, that can change a lot in five to seven years. Um, it, it, you know, there. I think there's some reasons to be concerned. I think if you're a team that's on the edge, like yes, you're trying to keep it together with where you're currently at, but I also think you're looking into and investigating. You know, what would it take for us? to make a jump and join you in the Big Ten? What would it take for us to make a jump and join you in the SEC? And I think the next five to seven years, you're going to see a lot of teams putting their best face forward. And I think you're already seeing that with Utah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if if we don't start seeing that a little bit with BYU taking taking 
this P5 opportunity up a notch because uh, it, the, at least in the here and now, it looks like, you know, we're, we're heading to a P2. And so you don't, you don't want to be left out of that. Uh, sure. I, is that ultimately where it's going to end? I don't know. Cause again, five to seven years, a lot can change. Um, there, I know there's some interesting legal stuff happening on the outskirts. Some, some lawsuits that are kind of hovering in the background that could really change what happens in the next five to seven years. Um, some of them pertain to, uh, antitrust, uh, with with this idea that everything's moving to a, a two conference super league semi pro whatever, um, there's some stuff as far as like insuring student athletes because they're basically employees now. There's stuff about paying student athletes like they're employees of of the universities. Um, and if any of those go through, and if 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 the opposition comes in into the the winning end of those could absolutely, again, shift everything very drastically um, from what we're kind of seeing and hearing in the here and now. So just a lot that, like, I can't emphasize enough how big this topic is. Everybody kind of seems to look at it from a very, very narrow standpoint. This is huge. There is a lot of different moving pieces happening and going on that could really, again, drastically shift what we think is going to happen. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. It's, it's you're right. It, it, it's a pretty expansive topic when you really dig into it. It's not as simple as some may make it out to be. Yep, obviously, still plenty more to cover on that front. You're doing a great job. I just wanted to let you know. I think you're doing incredible work, uh, kind of getting uh, news out to people. But uh, other news in uh, local, uh, I guess, sports on the local sports scene is obviously the ongoing efforts uh, by Big League Utah to bring Major League Baseball to the state, as well as the Long-running rumors that the Winter Olympics are going to return here to Salt Lake City for the second time, obviously 2002, and hopefully coming up in the early 2030s at some point. Spencer Cox, the governor of the state of Utah, joined Hans Olsen and Scott Gerard earlier this week. I believe it was Tuesday on Hans and Scotty G. Had a great conversation, and uh, they started off talking about baseball. Utah's going all in on trying to bring a Major League Baseball team to the state of Utah, and you uh, were there in attendance as well and said a few things, but... Kind of give us your background. When did you get word on this, and uh, just how fired up for you are the possibilities? Well, look, Steve's been a, a dear friend for more than a decade. Uh, we, uh, we we connected a long time ago as he was kind of rising up through the, the ranks of the uh, Larry H. Miller organization, and uh, and I was kind of starting into politics, and we, we've been dear friends ever since. And so this is something that he and I have talked about for years and dreamed about and, and schemed about and hoped for. And uh, we so but but the, the, the talks between us got much more serious um, over the past year as uh, as as there were uh, as they were looking at at potential opportunities i mean we always knew someday that we would make the push, but the timing had to be right. And uh, there, there were certain things that kind of had to fall into place, both with Major League Baseball and, uh, and, and with their organization. And so, yeah, we've, we've been talking about it for a long time. It's, it's been really hard to keep it a secret because uh, these, are, these are things you can't talk about until, you know, until it's exactly right. And, uh, and honestly, just couldn't be more excited uh, about the opportunity. I mean, the, the, the announcement, the launch, 
launch went uh, better than I think any of us expected. Uh, the, the the press, uh, both here and and other places across the nation, has been uh, has been fantastic, and and the conversations with Major League Baseball have been uh, fantastic as well. So we we are very very optimistic. Obviously, there's no time frame in place. It's going to take a little time. Uh, MLB's been very clear about needing to get a couple teams kind of figured out before they they make any expansion uh, decisions. But uh, but for, for those that really understand the lay of the land, uh, they, they like our chances as well. Just looking at any studies or anything that you've seen, what type of economical impact would a Major League Baseball team have on this great state? Yeah, so we're we're just starting into those, uh, those those types of economic studies, but we've been able to look at, of course, what what happens in other city, cities, and and it's just tremendous. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's really important. It's it's one of those big economic drivers, but it, it's also a perception issue as well. There's there's kind of a halo effect that goes above and beyond just you know ticket prices and and vendors and people showing up downtown, which is all real, and we we know some of that. We've seen it with the the jazz. Uh, we've we've seen it with with Real Salt Lake that there is a positive economic um, outcome that comes from there, but um, being being just just viewed in that that second tier of cities um, that or, or states that uh, that that can can host uh, you know multiple major major sports organizations is uh, is a really big deal. And uh, you know I, I'm one of those people that when I when I travel, um, if there's a major league baseball game, that's what we do. Um, we, you know we were in San Diego uh, the opening night, uh, went went to check out the Padres. Uh, when when I you know I was in Cleveland a couple of years ago, we, we we went to see the, the Cleveland play, I, I, and and it's it's a big deal for the tourism of the state as well, and uh, and so we're yeah we're it, it's just it, it's just a positive all the way around. There are really very little downside to uh, to that type of expansion here. The governor of the state of Utah, Spencer Cox, joining us right here on ninety seven five the KSL Sports Zone. Um, when you look at um, you know the timeline, and we've talked about that. You know, now the A situation has been resolved, it looks like, and now you kind of wait on Tampa Bay as well. Um, What, from an infrastructure standpoint, in trying to generate the revenue needed to bring a team, and I know you mentioned you you don't want to spend public dollars to – to build a stadium, but how would that play out from a from from your perspective and from uh, from the Miller family and, and other investors? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's it's still really early, and and I it's an important question and one that we will address. It's not one that we've addressed yet. Um, there've been really zero discussions on what that piece looks like, and so we'll uh, we'll sit down, of course, with with Salt Lake City. The, Salt Lake City will play a major role in in those decisions. Uh, what's what's happening at the local level? Um, you, you're seeing, uh, or at least you will be seeing this play out right now with the A's and and Vegas. That's something that we'll be watching closely. Uh, I you know I. I, I don't think that's a done deal yet, at least from what I've been reading in the papers. And so, uh, but it looks like it's very close. I know they, you know, the, the letter of intent, the the, uh, the announcements have been made. I think they're waiting on some legislative action gotcha. potentially, unless something's happened over the, the past couple of days. But but I think it's a good one to. Uh, I think it, it will be illustrative uh, to to look at what goes on there. 
Um, a lot of it will depend on, you know, what um, a, what Major League Baseball is looking for, what, what the Millers can bring to the table, what other potential um, owners, uh, you know, if, if they're I'm assuming they will have additional people with them as they as they come to the to the table and uh, what that franchise fee is like uh, just to get the team. And then, you know, what kind of infrastructure needs to be put in there. But I, I suspect that there will be we, we've seen some of that. We've done that, and I think done it in a, a way that is very taxpayer-friendly, that is good to the taxpayers of Utah. We've seen that with the Utah Jazz, both with the stadium that was built there, the arena, and the, the uh, and, and when the arena was upgraded. There was some tax increment um, that, that was allowed to support, but no direct funding of the, the arena, which I've, I've been opposed to. So, we'll again, we'll look at all of that. We'll have those conversations. We'll be very transparent about it and then uh, make a decision that is, is – is good for the taxpayers of Utah. So it was fun seeing you front and center on this Major League Baseball announcement. What are you hearing in terms of the NHL? Are you having any similar conversations with the Smith organization and with the potential arrival of an NHL team? Yeah, well, I, I can't say any more than than what Ryan has has said directly and uh, and 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 a little bit indirectly. Except that I, I think it's pretty common knowledge that um, that he has been having those meetings and uh, that they've been uh, that they've been very positive. Again, I, I don't know anything about a, a timeline for a decision for expansion with the NHL. I don't think they've given any timelines. Much like Major League Baseball, they're they're uh, you know kind of keeping their their cards close to their vest but it, it I, I just I just have to smile and think how lucky we are to have these kind of, of citizens of our state that are so good and, and, and so caring, give back to the state. Um, they're, they're just the exact type of people you would want uh, to own teams. You, you hear some of these nightmare stories. Of course, the A's, that's, a, that's an interesting one. You hear some of the, the, the stories coming out of, uh, out of Oakland. We've certainly seen it with, uh, with the, some NBA owners and in, in, uh, you know, the, the, the Clippers and the Suns and the problems they've had. And, and we have the exact type of owners here uh, that, that have the resources to, uh, to to look at bringing additional sports here and, and to have the respect of those leagues. I mean, I can tell you that um, the NHL and the NBA have all the respect in the world for Ashley and, and Ryan Smith. Um, I can tell you that Major League Baseball has all the respect in the world for the, the, the Miller family. And uh, and so it's uh, it, it's an awesome time to, to be a Utah to have those kind of people with uh, with 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 those kind of resources. You know, and it's a, it's a fascinating point you bring up too, because, you know, Hans and I have been doing sports radio here for a long, long time. And I came in the market in 03, 04 during that time frame, And it was the jazz. And then you had a couple of mountain West schools in Utah and BYU. Well, now, you know, fast forward, you know, who knows? I'll just, I'll just throw out a random, you know, five, six years from now, you may very well have a NBA team, a PAC 12 team, a big 12 team, a NHL team and a major league baseball team in the span of 25 to 30 years from, you know, the start of the century. I mean, it's just remarkable, the growth. And I think a lot of that lines up with the ability to fund those kind of interests because of Silicon slopes and, and the business interests and the growth here in the state of Utah, they're kind of intertwined. Don't you think? 
Yeah, no, they, they're absolutely intertwined. And, and look, um, ju- just the population growth is, is only one part of it. I, I mean, it's an important part of it for sure. Um, we've basically for the past 40 years, we've been like the 34th largest state in the country um, until this past you know, this past 10 years, and we went from 34th to 30th, which is a huge jump. Now it takes you from the bottom third of country uh, of states to the to that middle third uh, of states, which is which it really matters. And and again, that it's that population growth, uh, and so much of it centered in a in a fairly small geographical area that makes this possible. But none of that matters if you don't also have the uh, the influx of capital. And uh, we have certainly seen that. I mean, ten, 10 years ago, when I became the lieutenant governor, and, and you would talk to some of these uh, these startup companies, I mean, they were dying uh, to get venture capital here. Uh, there was no no VC money in the state. It was all coming from out of state. Utah wasn't seen as a place where they wanted to park that capital. And and in it, literally in 10 years, that has changed dramatically. I mean, we we now have uh, we we now have startups with the, that are getting lots of uh, funding uh, from from local. VCs. Uh, we, we are seeing money flowing from, from outside to inside the state. People are just looking to get a, a, a piece of the action here in Utah because our, we, we have had the best economy over the uh, the past 10 years, and, and that stuff really matters. And so you have all of these exits that are happening as well, um, which are leaving, you know, now we have billionaires like we've never had before. I mean, there were one or two in the state always. It was kind of, the, you had the Huntsmans and the Eccles, and then you had the Millers and a few others, and that was kind of it. And now um, it seems like once a week I hear about another exit in the hundreds of millions or, or even billions of dollars, and and that uh, that changes the whole dynamic. I, I mean, when when Major League Baseball and the NBA and others are looking at, at these cities, they're they're not just looking at how many you know tickets can they sell. They they want to be able to sell suites and and you know experiences and and the, the front row seats and and w- what does that look like? What, who are the corporate sponsors? That's really important. Do you have the type of corporations that can actually play at, at those levels and and honestly we didn't until um until just the the past 10 years and and uh, that that's left us in a position where we can we can be having these conversations with a straight face so governor when you sent out the tweet asking for prayers for moisture did you have any idea you'd get 70 feet in lake powell and i don't know six what eight feet maybe in the great salt lake in that time <laughs> well, I, I look. I, I, I certainly hoped that was the case. Um, in, in October, when uh, when I was putting my budget together before the first snowfall, and I told my team I wanted five million dollars in uh, flood mitigation money, they all laughed at me. Um, and I said, <laughs> "Look at you, nice." I, I said, <laughs> "Well, I said, I said no, I'm serious." I, I said, "I." My exact words were, "You know." I, I don't want to show up to a prayer meeting without an umbrella. Um, I, you know, I want to have a, a at least a little bit of faith that something will happen. But I, I, I will tell you that I undershot it. We're having a special session of the legislature next week because I need more than five million dollars. So uh, it, it's incredible. Not, you know, not. I, I, I hope we would have had a good have a good year. I have faith that we would have a good year. But I didn't have. I, I didn't think we would have not just a record year, but a rec- record smashing year. I mean, the you know the the, the 1983 standard the kind of the you know the literal high water mark of 26 inches of water in the snowpack statewide average uh, we we went past that and got over 30 i, I mean I, it just I, I i still just can't really believe it but i'm i'm grateful for it and we need every drop and and then some so i'm going to probably ask you another question that you can't really give it a definitive answer to uh but 
Where is your confidence level on Olympics in 2030 or 2034? Oh, I'll, I'll answer that. 99.9%. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. What, what scale do you want to use? That works. Uh, yeah, we'll take it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I could not be more confident that we're going to get a, a winter game. Uh, the question, uh, the, the bigger question is 2030 or 2034. Uh, we're um, 2034 is the, uh, is the one that we're, we, we want uh, that there's pretty solid consensus around that. Um, as much as I would love to have it earlier, 2034 just, because of the 28 games in uh, in Los Angeles, we, the, the the Olympics has never had a summer winter games back to back, and it, it could hurt us a little bit with some of the sponsors and and some of the the fundraising that needs to take place for for games. Uh, you know, those sponsors are going to be tapped out a little bit with 28, and we can't can't mess with that. But we could totally pull off 2030. I have no doubt a- at all. But uh, we, we need another country to step up and, and take 2030. There's, a, there's some European countries that are, are working on that now. Uh, Japan, we're still not sure uh, if anything's going to happen there. But, uh, you know, I mean, the, the truth is that we're by far the, uh, the, the, the best bid out there. Everyone knows it, um, but they can't give us both the 2030 and 2034. So we've got we've to figure that piece out. But I, I feel very confident that we will end up with, uh, with one of those spots. What's a uh, what's a timeline on an announcement, or is that just whenever the IOC feels like letting you know? Yeah, it's it's a little bit um, of of the when the IOC decides to do it. Um, the the question is, will they award two games at the at the same time? Uh, there, there's a a little bit of precedent for that. Um, they've they've been. Uh, they, they've. Uh, I, I think that's what will happen, but we don't know for sure. And so that that changes the time frame a little bit because you have to kind of prepare to to make two announcements instead of one, which uh, keeps pushing it back a little bit. So I, I we have not been given a definitive time frame, but uh, but certainly uh, ahead of the uh, the Paris Games, which are which are about a year away. Um, so July of uh, of next year will will be the Paris Games, and we should know uh, we should know ahead of that. It really exciting time there you go governor spencer cox and michelle 99 percent uh 99.9 percent in terms of the winter olympics and i've did 2034 makes a lot more sense it feels like them uh they want somebody to take 2030 and then have it in 2034 yeah i i mean give give yourself a little breathing room to try and get things together and not that i don't think things haven't already been working towards that uh you sure. you think about when Utah made the announcement that they were going to expand Rice Stadium, that same day they had the IOC there, and I'm pretty sure they showed them the plans for what they were going to do to the stadium. So, I mean, I think there's things that have been in motion. There's things that have never not been in motion. I uh, That's what I mean by that is, like, all the facilities are still in use. They're still in good shape. Um, they're being cared for, unlike a lot of other places. So I, there are things in place, but there are still other infrastructure things that you know we're going to have to do in order to prepare for that. Uh, and, and probably, honestly, help us with our, our population boom that we're having here with everybody <laughs> moving as well. Um, yeah. But I, I hope we get a Winter Games. Uh, it would be fun to be able to actually experience that, witness that as an adult, and not only as an adult, but an adult that can get credentialed to things. Uh, I think it would be amazing to be able to to cover a, a game or two or, or just have the access to kind of look around and take it in from that angle. 
Well, sure, and I, I'm with you on that. I, I think the Olympics are great, and you're right. It obviously requires some infrastructure and whatnot, but the nice part is the, the, the smartest thing Salt Lake City ever did with these Olympic Games, they had no two. They set those endowments, which essentially pay for the ongoing care and upkeep of all those facilities, and there's a reason why you see Utah hosting all kinds of world championships on a pretty annual basis. So uh, it's, I think they approach things the right, the right way the first time, and yeah, I can't wait to have them back out here. And also hoping that, as Scotty mentions, we could have Power 5 football, basketball, pro baseball, pro hockey. pro. Let's do it. I, I'm all about having more sports options here locally. All right. Uh, oh, go ahead, Michelle. Sorry. Oh, no. I, I was just going to say I agree, especially since we, we tend to be an outdoorsy recreational yes. place anyway. I think just adding more things to kind of that theme and that element can only help us. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, we will come back on the other side, get to five minutes of, cover some of the other topics we have not had a chance to discuss quite yet on today's show. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on 97.5 FM EKSL Sports Zone. Great bump back right here by Corey. Well done, sir. Uh, Michelle Bodkin, Jake Hatch, breaking things down on this Saturday morning. And Michelle, uh, I'm going to give you a choice. Should we talk soccer or football first? Uh, you know what? You go ahead and, and take the pick. Okay, uh, let's, let's talk NFL schedule release then. That came out on Thursday. Uh, the full uh, slate of games, of course, the like three days leading up to it. There's all kinds of leaks going on. and uh, this, this is going to be happening. And reports say this, Kate. The fun part is, Michelle, is the NFL is becoming more and more, I guess, I'd say belligerent in a way. And the reason I say that is uh, you probably saw that they're going to have three Christmas Day games. They're going to essentially tell the NBA, that's cute. You think you own Christmas Day. We're just going to steal that thunder right away from you. (laughs) They're also going to play a game on Black Friday, which has traditionally been a college football dominated day on the sports calendar. And, oh, by the way, they still own Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, and every other day it feels like. Uh, I mean, I I think we're just in a period of sports uh, and sports marketing and and TV contracts that, you know, that's just what it is. Everybody's jockeying to be the top dog. And I I don't think it's ever really been in question that the NFL is the top dog. I think we all know this, but, you know, I, I think they're just they're they're reminding all of us who's on top and who kind of controls everything. So that's my take on it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing about this is is the NFL has become just this leviathan. They are the uh, most uh, popular sports entity out there. They're absolutely just dominating in the ratings. You, you've probably seen that sheet, Michelle, annually. Uh, the top 100 uh, ratings broadcast in terms of all TV, I think 98 of them traditionally are football, and the vast majority of those are NFL it is. It's just. It's a ratings bonanza for this league. Yeah. Uh, you know. I. I mean. I don't. I don't mind it. I. 
I, I think the more it gets spread around, actually, the easier it is for me to try and catch a couple of games, uh, which I I enjoy watching the NFL. I just don't watch it as much as I used to because I'm a little preoccupied. Sure. But but again, having it, at least for someone like me, having it spread out a little bit more, having some of these other options where maybe I'm not as involved with you know what I'm doing makes it easier for me to watch. So I'm not mad about that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Other thing about this, Michelle, uh, we've talked about NIL a lot and how it uh, is allowing student-athletes in the college ranks to make money, and they can make good money. Mm -hmm. I think you and I both agree that you can make pretty good money NIL-wise, but uh, I'm just going to use Jaron Hall. I I literally saw this just a little bit ago. I I looked up his contract details. He just signed with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Do you know what his deal is worth uh, that he just signed with the Vikings as a fifth-round pick? I did not. I did not see the details of his contract. Okay, so four years. That's pretty standard mm-hmm. uh, across the board for rookies in the NFL. Four point one million dollars on that deal. Obviously, not all of that guaranteed. With nearly three hundred thousand dollars in a uh, signing bonus. Not bad, Jaron Hall. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. But here's the thing. I had uh, some people when he was making the decision of where if, if he was going to go pro. This goes back a few months at least. Uh, saying that, well, NIL, it can offset uh, his, his delay in going to the NFL. He can play another year at BYU, and NIL is going to make up for that money. Michelle, no offense, but $300,000 in a signing bonus of $4.1 million on a contract, you can, you'd have to be hard-pressed to find an NIL at any school that could offset that. Yeah, well, and again, especially, especially you know, where our Utah schools are currently at with it, yeah. too. Uh, like, a lot of guys can make really good money, especially if they're smart with it. Um, e- even at Utah and BYU where, you know, efforts are maybe kind of getting ramped up. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, uh, there's no way he was going to be making anything close to that at BYU. And, and as you mentioned, probably not really if, if he had chosen to transfer someplace else, probably wouldn't have even come close to sniffing that. So that was a good call on his part. I, I believe. And again, especially when you factor in, he does have age and the time clock and, and, and all that kind of ridiculous stuff going against him because of serving a mission and, uh-huh. and so, and, and a family to support at this point too. I mean, he's married and has a kid. So, you know, I, all things factored in, I, I think he made the best move and choice for him. Well, sure, and I said, that's the thing about it. Is I just remember people saying, like, well, these guys can – it's going to entice some guys to stick around. Yeah, there will be some guys who may be enticed to stick around, yeah. but you're right. In the current circumstance, though, that's a fifth-round pick, Michelle. That's like he, – he wasn't near the top of the NFL draft. He's not making Zach Wilson money, per se, but that's – Trust me, if you were to say, okay, you can get $4 million and a $300,000 signing bonus, I'd be like, all right, uh, thanks for everything, BYU, but I'm on my way. Right. Well, and and again, too, okay, yes, it's not Zach Wilson-type money, whatever, um, or or some of the other top-paid players in the league, but if you stick it out and get the full worth of that contract— I, I mean, you're set for life. Again, if you're not an idiot, and I don't think Jaron Hall's an idiot. He's, he strikes me as someone that's very responsible. Um, so, you know, I mean, he wouldn't ever have to renew again and probably would be good for life, be able to do whatever whatever it is he wants to do after the NFL and do it comfortably. 
Yeah, and that, so that's the thing is all these kids, and I, I'm, I use Jaron as an example because Blake Freeland, uh, he was a fourth round pick. He's going to obviously have a little higher contract. Uh, we're going to see guys like Dalton Kincaid. I cannot wait to see what he's going to cash in for. Yeah. I think I saw the 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 projections were something like a sixteen million dollar contract. It's it's life changing money, Michelle. Yeah. It's life-changing money if you're smart with it. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. We've seen many cautionary tales about athletes who have made uh, millions. Of, uh, uh, in the case of Antoine Walk, if I recall, he made $100 million plus in his NBA career and somehow squandered all of that, which is utterly baffling to my mind to think about that. But, jeez. Or you even look locally like a Luther Ellis. Yes, um, yeah. You know, uh, and I... To be on it, my understanding was he wasn't really spending it frivolously. It was helping out family. Well, he's okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Luther has got ten children, either biologically or adopted. Is that correct? Uh, ten or twelve. I, I don't quite remember. I don't quite remember the number, but yes, very large family. Yeah, I just I I I, I it, it's it's life changing money. But guys like that, yeah, he wasn't just going around partying and carrying on. He, he's making differences in the lives of children in many ways so there's a there, there's a lot to be said about this yeah that was just the one thing i just look at i'm like okay there's no way nil was ever going to offset that much money for a guy like jaron hall in particular yeah yeah i get your bag get your bag jaron <laughs> hall get your secure bag secure that bag and move <laughs> on yeah no doubt about that all right let's talk a little bit about rsl they are in action tonight michelle did you have a chance by the way to watch what happened wednesday night in the u.s open cup I didn't. Was it crazy? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, no, actually, I didn't get to watch it, but uh-huh. I did. So we have a, a private digital thread okay. um, that goes, and, and Kyle was on the game, and he's like, of course it's a seven-point game. <laughs> yeah, they seven goals, back and forth, lead change all the time. That's the type of a soccer match game, whatever you want to term it, that I think would entice any sports fan, Michelle. I'm not going to lie. Like it was, it was wild, back and forth, up and down the field. Some absolutely incredible goals. By the way, Andres Gomez, uh, the young uh, $4 million signing, the, the, broke the club record in terms of money paid for a transfer fee for Real Salt Lake. He had just an absolute sensational goal. Corey, I assume you saw that one. Did you see that? No, my dog. I was watching an eight-year-old girls' ah, soccer okay. game that night. So okay, if you guys have not uh, go on social media and find the replay of that goal. Oh, I did see the goals. Yeah. Yes, I didn't see yeah. the whole game. Okay. Yeah, but still, that that goal alone, and Michelle, you probably would encourage you to look it up. That one alone was worth the price of admission. It felt like. Huh. Okay. Now, yeah, I'm curious now. I was gonna say, Corey. Like normally, I would say the eight-year-old girls' game probably more entertaining <laughs> than the professional game. But I ways, don't know. Yeah. Like it's yeah. more stressful. I'll tell you that when yeah. it's your own kid out there playing. But uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. As as a parent, Michelle, it changes the whole dynamic. When you're when you're watching your own flesh and blood go out there and do something, you get so tense. Trust me. I my son's playing four-year-old flag football, Michelle, <laughs> and I'm just as nervous as I. I don't know. He could be playing the PGA Tour, and I probably have the same type of nerves I have for him. I I love little kids sports. I just think they're so funny, so cute, entertaining. Partially because they don't always necessarily do what they're supposed to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy watching small kids sports. No doubt about that. Uh, all right, a couple of things real quick. Real Salt Lake tonight they take on LAFC, one of the best clubs, if not the best club in Major League Soccer right now. Uh, similar to what uh, Wednesday night held, if RSL can uh, put on their scoring boots, so to say, uh, you could see a really back and forth game. LAFC has been really really good for the last few seasons. Uh, big 
big match. So 7.30 uh, start time, first kick out there at America First Field. Of course, we will have RSL coverage here on the Zone Sport, uh, the KSL Sports <laughs> Zone. I've gotten months without screwing it up, and of course I screwed up then, but nonetheless. Uh, and slip, it's fine. I know, exactly. You just got into old old habits. But nonetheless, uh, we'll have pre-match coverage coming your way from AFF beginning at 6.30 at the RSL pre-match show. And, of course, David James and Jay Nolly will have the call for you guys uh, right at the, the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour, 7.30. They'll go on air. Looking forward to it. Should be an interesting one tonight, Michelle, because LAFC has been very, uh, very good against RSL when they've come to Salt Lake. Uh, but it's kind of a different story when they go to L.A. in certain circumstances. Uh, that feels very opposite. I know. You'd think so. But <laughs> come on. Demir Krylock single-handedly a couple years back knocked LAFC out of the playoffs. I'm not sure that uh, the, the black and golds they call themselves down there at LAFC have forgiven him yet. So. Yeah. I, I, I sit in your salty tears. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. All right. Uh, one other thing real quick. Uh, Michelle, I, so Utah basketball got a transfer portal pickup yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, can you fill us in on who they got? Uh, let me. Um, so this is a kid from Georgia Tech. They mm-hmm. actually, he actually played his new team last year. Um, it, he's a very athletic guard. Uh, started his career at Mississippi State, played the last two seasons at Georgia Tech, entered the transfer portal once more. Um, I believe he has two years left to play if he so chooses. Um, but this this was a good pickup for Craig Smith, um, just all things considered, when you look at kind of what's going on with college hoops, college mm-hmm. basketball, and what it takes to, to get good players in. Uh, his name is Devin Smith. I yeah, think Devon it's or something like that, yeah. it might be Devon. I I'm not sure on that, so I'm um, sorry if I mispronounced your name. I promise I will learn how to say it properly uh, by the time the season starts. But uh, uh, the main point of this, he's not a high shooter, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that Utah does still need to address. But he is very athletic, which was another piece of the puzzle that y- Utah struggled with a little bit. They haven't perhaps been as athletic as they needed and the Smith kid kind of helps to address that um, he's a rebounding machine he's an assist machine um, so so while he maybe doesn't come in and help with the points and putting points on the board he he does help in other areas that maybe could help others that are currently on the team uh, score more points so sure. this was a good pickup again this was kind of a doing the best you can to address needs. And sometimes it's only half a need, um, but it still is a step in the right direction, I feel like. Yeah, no doubt about that. The the transfer portal window for college basketball closed earlier this week, so uh, there will still be players being picked up. But uh, if you're a Utah basketball fan, BYU basketball fan, etc., uh, the rosters as currently constituted should be set uh, going into next season. BYU did lose Tanner Toulson uh, to the transfer portal just a little bit before the portal window closed. A freshman guard who got injured halfway through the year, Michelle. We'll see where he lands, but. Uh, Interested to see how uh, BYU and Utah do because they both uh, had a number of pickups via the portal this offseason. Yeah, and I and I believe Utah basketball is also not done. Um, yeah, they they still have I believe two scholarships left, and Craig Smith has come out and said, unlike last year, he is going to use both both of the scholarships. He's not going to leave an empty one because um, he realized that that was maybe a mistake. So. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, we will come back on the other side, get some final thoughts, wrap up the Saturday show next right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing great on this Saturday. Michelle and Jake along for the ride here on the KSL Sports Zone. All right, Michelle, before we go on today's show, uh, something that we I maybe have not necessarily covered as much as we should have this spring, but Utah lacrosse, what a run they have had. Yeah, uh, I mean, talk about a program that's come up in a very, very short amount of time. Yep. Uh, this is the fifth year the program has existed, at least as a Division One program. Uh, only the second year that they've ever belonged to a conference. Both years they've belonged to the conference. It's the ASUN. Um, it, they made an appearance at uh, the the conference championship game. They lost last year. They came back and won it this year, and now they're they're moving on to the NCAA's for the first time. And and their first matches today at. 12.30 p.m. on ESPNU. Yeah, a big showdown. Notre Dame's obviously going to be a tough one for them. But the thing about this Utah team, I've kept reading these press releases, and I saw clips of them went on, Michelle. They just kept winning. That's the thing about this. This program, you said, they've had a pretty meteoric rise. Yeah, I, I mean, just it's super impressive to see a team like this Get 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 up as quickly yeah. as they have, especially considering that they are the furthest lacrosse team out west. Correct. So they have to travel a lot, um, and and that's that's a brutal aspect. But they went undefeated in conference play, and like I said, they're they're sitting really pretty right now, and and we'll find out soon, you know, whether or not they can take down Notre Dame. Now, the other thing is in the softball realm, both uh, Utah, they're playing in the Pac-12 championship game today, correct? Correct. They, they beat uh, Washington yesterday, which is a huge win for them, by the way, because they, they struggled up there, if I recall, up at, up at Washington earlier on this season. Uh, they will take on, uh, of course, a powerhouse UCLA in that championship game, correct? Yes. Uh, that is 8 p.m. tonight, I believe, on Pac-12 Network. Um, but, uh, again, just another kind of crazy amazing awesome win for Amy Hogue and her team uh they they have had an outstanding season they tend to be good pretty good to pretty good you know year in and year out but this Uh has been an exceptionally great year for them and uh hopefully they can add to Utah Athletics uh conference championship count this year because uh that that's been pretty impressive can I thank you for uh, getting me how to pronounce Amy Hogue's name correct, by the way? I, I am pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. She's never I, corrected me, so. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to say, I've looked at that name, and I'm like, Hodge, Hogue, I don't know which one it is, but I'm, gonna, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you helped me out on that front. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm always here to help. <laughs> All right, uh, one other one. Uh, Emily Venters had a really good run for Utah in track and field, if I recall. Yes, so she is Utah track and field's very first Pac-12 champion in ah, the 10K. Okay. Uh, so she she is another one that's been setting some records throughout the season. Um, and I believe today is another run of the Pac-12 championships for track and field. I think it's indoor, if I'm not mistaken, today. Um, but, I, I again, Utah track and field. This team... Uh, Overall for Utah, I don't believe has had quite 
quite the history of kind of being in the mix of things. So this is a very new thing for this team. And I, I mean, again, just it's, it's it's exciting to see some of our local teams, our local smaller teams, uh, have the kind of success that they've been having mm-hmm. as of late. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Michelle, anything else before we go on today's show you'd like to get out to the people? I, You know what? I think, I think we covered just about everything. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been a lot going on, and I, I think we did a great job today <laughs> checking yeah, we, all the boxes. And we did cover a lot of ground. There's no doubt about that. Well, uh, for Michelle and Corey, hope you guys are all doing well. Thank you for tuning in to the Saturday Show. We return next week, of course, covering all things going on in the Utah sports world and beyond. I'll have that for you guys. But also keep it locked right here on The Zone all week long. DJ and PK, Jake and Ben, Hans and Scotty, as well as Unrivaled each and every day. We got you covered right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.